how many remember the story, um, the New Testament, Peter, and how Peter was preaching the gospel? And the Bible says as he went out and he preached the gospel, um, he was imprisoned as a result. He was warned not to do it, and then he did it anyways. Now, he already knew the consequences. He understood that if I, if I preach, there's a good chance I could be thrown in prison, especially since I know now they're watching me. They're watching me. There had been a prayer gathering during that time to lift up the apostles that were preaching the word of God all over the region. And they had heard about Peter's trouble that he was actually being um, thought of as one that was going to be thrown into jail. And so they held a prayer meeting. How many believe that prayer literally can make a difference? It literally might be the only way we can ever see a difference in this life according to the word of God. And so they were being lifted up. So now they were lifting up this man of God who had been thrown in prison. And they didn't just throw him in prison. They threw him in the inner stocks where they, 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 they fettered his hands and his feet. And then they put two armed guards to watch over him. They were just there to watch over Peter. And so he wasn't going anywhere, but they were going to make sure. And so this prayer meeting is going on. And they're praying for Peter. We don't know what they pray or how they pray. But they just, we just know that they were praying. And the Bible talks about the fact that there, there was a moment in time where deliverance came. But what I want you to see, and I'll get to that part of it in a moment because that's the best part. And I'm going to identify some things and maybe help some of the frustration that goes on in people's lives today. And that is the Bible says that he was thrown in, in, in prison. And what I want you to understand is this. Notice that the prayer did not prevent Peter from going to jail. And I want to say this, while we're praying for prevention, God is preparing for an intervention. And I think that the frustration comes that we don't understand what God's actually doing with our prayer because we thought our prayer was going to bring us a certain type of deliverance. But God was going to use that test as a testimony and that mess as a message for our lives to preach the gospel that God does and will come through for you. So some people say, why hasn't this happened yet? I've been praying and believing and giving and doing and God, it just hasn't happened yet. Lord, what's going on? Why are things being so delayed? Last week we talked about delay. What's going on, God? We have to discern what time we are in. And the title of my message this morning is this, Suspended in Time. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, today we go before you as our praise and our worship has gone before your throne. And I feel so strong that the atmosphere has shifted into a heavenly place that we can understand, have understanding, and ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church and that there are angelic beings in this place even now, those that your people walked in with and then those are sent directly from heaven to minister life to us, to open our minds, our eyes, and our understanding to give us revelation that we need today. God, I thank you for that. Help me, Lord, your servant, to deliver and preach your word, Lord God, the way you want it to be done. I humbly ask that in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And may we never be the same again. May it start with us, O oh God, that we may discern the time that we are in, Lord God, 
that our heart would be open for change and that we would do what you ask us to do and become an obedient people. I pray for obedience is better than sacrifice. And we give you the praise for that today in Jesus' mighty name. And the church that believed us said amen. Let's give the Lord one more time a shout of praise. Hand clap offering. Come on. He's worthy. Amen. I want us to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse number 1. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. And it says this. To everything. Everybody say everything. How many things? To everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. How many believes that we're under heaven right now? We're not in heaven, but we're under heaven. So for every purpose that we have in this life, the Bible says there's two things that, there, that it's a part of. Two different kinds of time. It says there's season and there's a time. There's a season and there's a time for everything under heaven. That word time is the word kairos in the word of God. It's the Hebrew word kairos. And it means a prophetic moment of time. A, a, a time that prophetic that speaks beyond where you're at. It speaks from heaven. It speaks for your life. It's prophetic. A prophetic time. It also means a sudden intervention from God. How many can't wait to see some suddenlies in your life? I'm talking about prayer you've been praying for 5, 10, 15 years. Oh, I thought you'd do a little bit better than that coming to pass. That is kairos, something where God intervenes suddenly. And there, again, are two different types of time. There are the chronos time, and then there is the kairos time. Chronos is where we measure dates. It's where we measure seasons. The Bible says everything, there's a season. That's a chronos time. And then it measures the time of day. So chronos is dates, seasons, and time of day. Kairos is different. It is a time but it's where God suddenly interrupts our chronos time, interrupts our dates, our seasons, and our time of day with his agenda or with our answers. With his agenda or our answers. Now we see this all throughout the word of God, but I, 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 for some reason this is in my spirit. Acts chapter 2 we see it because Jesus sends his disciples and their family members to uh, the upper room in Jerusalem and says, there I want you to tarry and wait for the Holy Spirit. So he promised another, a comforter who would come and would teach all things and would reveal Christ, basically what he would, that's his job, is reveal Christ, but he would come with an endowment or a power. I'm not sure they knew at all what that meant, but they were being obedient to what Jesus had asked to go into that upper room in Jerusalem, and there they were to wait. They did not know how many days they were to wait, but they began to pray together. One day, two day, three days, 10 days, 20 days. It went on and on and on. Now, again, they did not know how many days they would have to be in that upper room. Their job was to be obedient and to begin to, to, pray, to, to pray, to decree, to declare, do what Jesus asked them to do. But then all of a sudden, the Bible says, the Bible says, and suddenly the Holy Spirit came like a mighty rushing wind, interrupted their prayer service. Come on, y'all. I'm ready for some divine interruptions in my life. How about you, church? 
and divinely interrupted their prayer meeting. The Bible says that on top of each one of their heads sat cloven tongues of fire. If you actually study that, those are angels. It's another way of talking about the fire of God or the angels of God or the messengers of God that speak on God's behalf. And they were there in that room and they began to speak with tongues, the Bible says, and it carried on to the streets. And then the Bible says that 5,000 people were born again on that day. The power of God had come upon God's people. It went from a time of just praying and being obedient to what God's asking them to do and discerning that it was the time for them to do that and then all of a sudden but it wasn't on the first day it wasn't like it happened the first day most people quit after the first day most people can't give God a whole week these people decided they're going to give God as long as it took because they didn't know how long it was going to be and then there was a suddenly all right I want us to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse number 11 and it says this he, God, has made everything beautiful. And don't stop right there and say everything is beautiful because everything in this world is not beautiful, right? So we can't stop there. He has made everything beautiful. How, church? In its time. I'm not going to read the rest of the verse, just that part. He has made everything beautiful in its time, in its Kairos. So that means it's ugly when it's out of time or out of the moment or out of step with God. So how many ugly things have we allowed into our lives because we wanted what we wanted when we wanted it? Somebody say amen to that. And we have found that things were broken and busted and messed up and we're trying to blame God and the devil and everybody else around us and we don't put it right square back on ourselves and say, I did not know or discern the time that I was was in that yes it was I, I felt like I was supposed to do that but that feeling is not what God wants you to go by he wants you to go by a yes and amen from heaven did you pray about it I'm going to reach all this room praise God I got five rows doing pretty good rest of you like this not sure what we're supposed to do right here you're going to get it I said touch your neighbor and say you're going to get it Church, God wants to make things beautiful. He wants to take the ugly out of your life. Just look at your neighbor and say, he wants to slap the ugly out of you. Come on, just tell him. Amen. That's a pretty hard slap. Praise God. He has the exact right moment in mind for your life. And anything out of step of that is going to cause you issues and problems and pain. Now, let me say that when you understand how something works, you can be more efficient. When you understand how something works, you can be more patient. When you understand how something works, you can be less frustrated in your life. And this is what I felt. My wife and I had a conversation about this, and it led me to begin to study in a certain direction in a way that I've not studied this before, so I hope you enjoy this. This is how it is with faith. Once you can clearly see in God's word how things operate, your faith becomes more productive. You don't back down so easily just because you can't see it yet with your natural eyes. we got too many people backing down. And then they'll repent and come back. But how much time has been lost? And God said, I've already had a time set up, but because we didn't do it his way and because we began to doubt in our heart, we had to go take another trip around Mount Zion like the children of Israel did back in Moses' time. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, 
And then, by the way, this is a spiritual process, the Hebrews 11.1. 1. It's not a formula. It's a supernatural process by which God gives us to walk in. And it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. If I'm hoping for something, it means it's not here yet. I'm hoping that it comes. I'm preparing like it's coming. I got hope for it, but it's not yet materialized. It's not in the natural world yet. Um, and the Bible says it's also, uh, it is evidence of things not seen. I'm here to tell you, and by the way, your faith becomes your evidence, not the thing you hold in your hand, not the thing you can show everybody, show and tell time, but your actual faith to believe that you know that God has given you a promise and you believe that it's going to come to pass. That's faith, that's substance, and that is evidence. It just tells us there's a lot more going on in the unseen world than we possibly give God credit for. And since we know that according to Mark chapter 4, the sower sows the word, Jesus said. The sower sows the word. We then know that words are seeds. They have to be sown. Are we, are we all tracking so far? So when I speak a word, it's a seed. I can speak a negative word, and that would negate negative. Let's forget the word negate. Uh, would, would do what? It would, it would cause what? It would cause me to actually to tear up the ground and pull the seed back out, right? Because it's a negative. But I can also speak positive seeds, positive words. Um, I can do that over people, but I can do it also in the realm of the spirit as it pertains to my declaration and my prayer. I recognize that my seeds are not just words. My words are not just seeds. They're, they're, they're combined together. So we, the church, have the responsibility. Everybody say responsibility. To decree words of faith in our world. And that's why it's imperative that you can get here this Tuesday night at 7 p.m. accessing the heavens. We are going to do just that. And we're going to make bold faith declarations that we're going to trust God to fulfill in his angels. By the way, several weeks ago, you heard me. I saw angels walk in this room from that corner and in this corner. And at the time, I didn't quite understand. But then we began to pray about it. Elders and I, we were talking about it. God was, is sending us more angels for that night, this Tuesday coming up, so that we can do what? We can send them on assignment because the angels do the bidding of the word of the Lord. So when I speak these words of faith, God gives me an angel to carry forth that word and he fights because there is a fight in the realm of the spirit. The devil don't just want to give up ground, especially ground he's had for eons of time, but we can make it happen. By the way, every witch knows that February 22nd is a powerful day of opening portals. They want to open up dark portals. We're going to open up the heavens. Somebody say amen. I said somebody say amen. So you come, you invite everybody you know that knows how to pray and get them here. And we're going to, not just pray, we're going to worship. It's going to be prophetic. The whole night is going to be amazing. Uh, Isaiah 51, let's look at that verse number 16. God says, and I have put my words, where? In your mouth. I put my words in your mouth. I have covered you with the shadow of my hand that I may plant the heavens, lay the foundations of the earth, and say to Zion, you are my people. The, the principle behind Isaiah 51, 16, God puts his word in your mouth. To do what? To plant the heavens and to found the earth. How powerful is that? Think of the responsibility. 
that we have with the word of the Lord, that God gives you a word and he says, I'm not going to decree it. I'm going to use you through my Holy Spirit to use your mouth to open your mouth to decree a word and it will plant the heavens and it bring foundation to the earth. Think of the responsibility. Think of the power that God shares with his people. And we see this also in the New Testament as well. We see it in Matthew 16, verse 16. Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the anointed one with your anointing is what that means. That's not Jesus' last name. It's not JC's in the house, JC's in the house. That's not his last name. Christ is who he is positionally. That's his mantle, the anointing. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not what, church? <clears throat> Revealed this to you. You have a revelation of who I am, but it didn't come from earth, it came from heaven. God put that word in your mouth. I'm going somewhere. <clears throat> And I also say to you that you are Peter Petra. Well, his name is Simon, but Jesus changes it to Peter, which is Petra in the Greek, which means a rock, a rock, something that is what? Foundational. That's not easily moved. And on this rock of what? Revelation of the revelation that I am the Christ and I am the son of the living God. I will build my church. Are you the church or not? Someone said one time, you're either a saint or you ain't. Amen. You're either in the church or you're not. You are the church. A church is the word ecclesia. It means the called out ones, where? To the gates of the city. Where's the gates of the city? Where all the action's at. You control the gates of the city. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. How do you control? With your mouth by declaring the word of the Lord and saying, devil, you're not coming in Milwaukee. You're not going to hit our children any longer. You're not bringing your poverty here. Get your violence out of my city in the name of Jesus Christ. Go! God called you out to the gates of the city. Where do you get that, Pastor? Well, the Bible says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. God puts you as a stopping force. God puts you to fight the fight. God puts you, and by the way, it's not just any ordinary fight. It is the good fight of faith. What's a good fight? The fight you win. I said the fight you win. and you'll prevail against it. it means you're going to fight you're going to get the victory against hell the gate of the city and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on shall be bound in and whatever you loose on shall be loosed in so we got authority in two different worlds we got authority in the natural world and we got authority in the spiritual realm somebody say amen I said, somebody say amen. Why are you walking around like a dead head, like a zombie, and just waiting for life to hit you? Hit back. I said, hit it back. You have authority. Got too many thermometers out here in Christian land. Thermometer just tells you what the temperature is. Anybody can tell you the temperature. You've been called to be a thermostat. You tell the temperature and then you tell it where you want it to be. You're the one that sets the atmosphere. I said, you set. 
And on Tuesday night, we're going to set the atmosphere in our city and in our nation. Somebody say amen. Hey. I'm preaching light and I'm preaching right. Y'all pray for me because I gained two ounces this week. I'm so mad at the devil. The devil is a liar. He made me eat that cookie. But I'm going to take it off this week. Somebody say amen. Amen. I received that. I received that. He said he would give us power on earth and heaven to loose and to be able to bind. Now, that's a teaching by itself, but let me just move ahead. The word heaven here, and in many places in Scripture, you, study the word, there, you have to understand something. There are three heavens. Whoa, pastor, hang on. You're talking about there's three gods? Nope. One God, three different dimensions. You have the first heaven, you have the second heaven, and you have the third heaven. How do you know that? It's scriptural. Uh, Paul said, he said, he said, I knew a man 14 years ago, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. I believe, we all believe, the theologian believes he's speaking of himself because he was stoned unto death. They had to raise him up. And so that he, the Bible says, but a man who went to the third heaven and there was the throne of God. And so he starts talking about the different dimensions. The second heaven, some people say, well, the devil's in hell. He must have crawled out of the abyss. He crawled out of the abyss just to attack me. The devil's not in hell yet. He's going to hell, praise God. He'll pay for his crimes. But he also set himself up like God, the Bible says, and he dwells in the second heaven. That's why angels sometimes, I'll talk about this in a moment, have problems getting to us because they got to fight a battle from the third heaven to get to us because those, those spirits, those dark spirits, think they're still ruling and reigning. And we offer them the authority when we don't take ours. Okay, so there's a first heaven. The first heaven described in scripture is the atmosphere. It's what we live in, the atmosphere. So it's talking about the first heaven here. It's talking about the atmosphere. So when you pray, you are decreeing, you are declaring in the atmosphere over a region, your job, your children, your marriage, your circumstances, you are speaking in the atmosphere and the atmosphere of heaven. He said, I'll put my word in your mouth and I will what? Plant the heavens. So your words are seeds that go into the heaven, the first heaven, which becomes the spiritual ground of which becomes satiated and brings forth a harvest of the word you have spoken. Sowing seeds is what happens here in order to get a different harvest. So when I'm declaring and I'm praying, I'm opposing the junk and the circumstances and the evil in my world by doing what? Understanding the principle that when God fills me up with his word and I speak it, I'm sowing seed into the heavens. I'm planting in the heavens in order to bring forth a different kind of harvest. You don't like something, you're not supposed to sit back and complain about it. Have you noticed it never gets better and you get a little worse? 
But when you take your authority and you speak words of faith, it doesn't go into the atmosphere and gets lost. It is caught in the atmosphere and it becomes the womb to bring forth the harvest. All right. Let's look at Job chapter 22, verse 28. You shall decree. Everybody say decree. You shall declare is what the word, the King James says, but it's, it, it means the same thing, to decree. You shall decree a thing. The word thing is the Hebrew word omer. And it means a word, a purpose, a message, or an intention. So you shall decree a word, a purpose, a message, or an intention, and it shall be established. So light will come where there's darkness. Light will shine in your way. Established means to cause to be recognized and accepted to be set into a secure position. So what did not exist will be established the moment you bring forth by faith, you decree it, a purpose, a word, a message, or an intention from God. The Amplified in Job twenty two twenty eight says this. You shall, <laughs> this is, I never saw this. You shall not just decree a thing, you shall decide. What kind of authority is this? You shall decide and decree a thing. That's a thermostat. It makes a decision if it likes the temperature a little warmer or a little cooler. You shall decide and decree a thing and it shall be established for you and the light of God's favor shall shine on your ways. God's waiting for what comes out of your mouth. Alexander Dowie is a translation. Job twenty two twenty eight. Thou shalt decree a thing. This is my favorite. And it shall come to you. And light shall shine on thy, in thy ways. The Hebrew concept that Job is explaining here is this. Your decree of faith comes to you. Whatever I speak comes to me. The voice uh, translation of Job twenty two twenty eight: you will pronounce something to be and God will make it so. Did he not say in the book of Numbers, as you have spoken in my hearing, so shall I do unto you, says the Lord? Yes, he did. Notice that it says, we will pronounce or decree. This decreeing, idea of declaring, this idea of pronouncement is special because commoners knew and understood this was not what we do. This is not commoner language. This is king's language. Whole different revelation. I'm not just a nobody, another number on the earth trying to get by with God somehow. But God, in fact, in Romans chapter 155 and 6, it says, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, excuse me, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth. To him, he says it, he's ruler over the kings of the earth. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So God, in fact, makes us through the blood, the washing of his blood, the entering into his family, something we weren't before. We move from a commoner to now a king. Touch your neighbor and say, I bless you, king. I bless you, king. Just give him a little bow. Praise God. 
Every one of you have that authority. A king's language is a language of authority. The word decree, everybody say decree, is the Hebrew word mayamar. Mayamar, this is beautiful, means to speak royal edicts. To speak royal edicts. If you don't know what that means, it means to speak a law into existence or to speak forth legislation. So when it says that you will decide and decree, it's speaking the kind of language that kings would understand that God has given you the same authority that when you make a decision to speak or decree something, it becomes the law of the land. It becomes new legislation. I'm trying to help two or three people out in the room today. I, I don't know what I should do. I, y'all looking at me funny, but I'm going to keep preaching. Okay, I'm going to keep preaching till we all get it. That's my, that's my goal today. So my point is, is, my point is, you can have alcoholism in your family back four generations. But when it comes to you and your drinking, you can make a decree and say, I'm not an alcoholic. I'm never going to be an alcoholic. Matter of fact, I despise the taste of alcohol in my mouth. It messes with my life. It, it breaks up my relationships. No more in my life. And that decree becomes a new law and legislation in your life. Come on. You're putting the devil on notice. You're going to listen to me because I got a kingdom in my own home and I happen to be the king in my kingdom and no longer you're going to ride rough shot on me. Every one of your fathers and grandfathers all had mistresses and all had uh, made uh, uh, adulterous mistakes in your life. You don't have to decree that you're going to be faithful to one wife and one wife only. Some of y'all live in the rough neighborhood and you're thinking for ways of getting out. Maybe God put you there on purpose. He's waiting to hear the words that come out of your mouth. Maybe around one o'clock in the morning. That might, might just be the safest time. But sometime during the day, you get in the middle of your street and say, I'm going to tell you something, devil. I don't know about all these other people, but I'm a king in my neighborhood. And in the name of Jesus Christ, all these drug dealings, all this prostitution, all this sin, all this mayhem, all this violence stops now in the name of Jesus. I'm preaching better than you're shouting back. Amen. Think of it this way. Think of it like a spiritual magnet that when you decree, it draws the very things you've decreed to you. In other words, it's on its way. It may not be there yet, but it is certainly on its way. And I told you about the angel of the Lord, that when Daniel made his decrees and prayed, nothing happened. He just kept doing what God asked him to do. But on the 21st day, he didn't know it was going to be the 21st day. The Bible says the angel of the Lord appeared to him, Gabriel, and said, I was in a major battle. For I was coming to you the moment you prayed. You need to understand, God heard your prayer. But he sent me. But, but your Kairos moment was not yet because I had to do some spiritual warfare but the fact that you kept on being obedient and kept on praying it kept giving me the juice and the power I needed Michael said I called for backup it was Michael I called for backup Gabriel came with his angels and we fought and we beat the dragon the Bible says we had to go to the second heaven to get to you but I'm here now and God is granting you your prayer don't you give up even though it looks like it's not happening 
The fact that you've spoken in the Spirit lets us know it's on its way. Here's the thing. Though it's miraculous, it's not always instantaneous. Get that in your spirit. Though it's supernatural, it's not always immediate. Let's look real quick at Isaiah 42, 9. And this is where I'm getting to today. New things, God says, I declare. New things, I declare. Again, King's like, I decree. Before, if I say before, it's important. Remember that word, before. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. God speaks what he wants you to have and see before it comes into being. Smith and Godspeed, Isaiah 42, 9 says, this is another translation, new things I foretell. Before they spring into being, I announce them. This is the way God talks. See, we got to do things God's way. We wait to talk about it after we see it because it gives us a little more like, you know, vibrato. Uh, look, what, look what happened. No, God says, I want you to talk like look what happened when it's not even there yet. Make an announcement because we're, we're like him. We're created in his image. In other words, God is saying, I announce them, I decree them so they can be seen. The Jerusalem Bible, 42, 9 of Isaiah says this, fresh things, everybody say fresh things. I foretell before, there it is again, they appear, I tell you of them. Kenneth Knox translation, I tell you now what is yet to be. You shall hear of it before it ever comes into light. God is saying, if it is ever, if it is to ever come into being, you'll need to speak it first. So we must first decree, church. We must first declare it before we can see it. Decree it before you see it. Decree it before you see it. Or decree it, then see it. Decree it, then see it. This church, this whole church, matter of fact, I don't have time to get into all this right now, but this church, God's, God gave me a promise. We started speaking his word about the ch church that was gonna, one day we would have. We were renting a facility at the time, and he wanted us to have our own building and so every time we got together, we had a little scriptures we put on the screen and we would all repeat them together. That God would give us a house that would be full of good things, vineyards we didn't plant, and wells we did not dig, and houses full of furniture that we did not buy, and, and, and it would be given to us. And then, uh, and then God spoke to me and said, son, your building is in my word. And my, my head went, huh? How can my build, like is there my, is the address in the Bible? Is there 4901 South Howell? Is it going to pop up somewhere in here? But he said, because it existed. We'd been praying for it. It existed. But he had to give me the word to put the word in my mouth so I could speak it. And so he led me to the scriptures. And I won't get into all of it right now, but he gave me a word out of Luke and, or Mark, actually, and it was talking about how God sent his disciples into the opposite city, the city opposing them, and there you will find a cult which no one has ridden before. He said, bring it to me, loose it and bring it to me. And so he said, that's your word. He said, there, your, my provision is your building, just like I need to be provided for that donkey. 
He said, it, it may have been in somebody else's hands, but you're called to loose it and let it go and put it in my hands. And so he gave me my building, this church building. He gave it to me with a word. I spoke that word to the church. And, and, and God began to do, and, and next thing you know, we're in this place. All because we started to decree what the word of the Lord was concerning something we didn't have yet. But we walked it out like we did. So again, God is saying, I will prophesy the future before it happens. He said, I will tell you things before. Everybody say before. I'm almost done. Hang with me. Before is the Hebrew word tarim. Tarim. And it literally translates suspended in time. Suspended in time. So it says, when it goes, I'm going to go back to it real quick. So when it says, um, Isaiah 42, 9, new things I declare before they spring forth. I tell you, it was saying new things I declare which are suspended in time that will spring forth. I'm going to tell you of them. So here is my, I believe, the revelation God has given me today. In other words, when you decree, those words are suspended in time to be on time for the right time. When we pray, often we think it's going to happen that moment. And sometimes we have those moments. We just happen to be the right place. But most times when we pray, we're speaking about something beforehand before it comes. Those words don't go in outer space and just disappear or bounce some ping pong off of the top of the ceiling. But those words are suspended in time, but not just chronos time. Kairos time. God takes that word and he waits for the right time to be on time for your life. They are suspended in Kairos waiting for the perfect prophetic time and then suddenly begins to happen. So God is saying the existence of the word you decreed is suspended in time though it cannot though it has not occurred yet it is. It already is because you decreed it. You could not have decreed it unless you did it by faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's your evidence of things not seen. The fact that you said it in faith proves it exists. It just doesn't exist here. It's suspended in a kairos. It's like God balls it up and says, I'm waiting. Just keep on praying, y'all. Keep on praying. There's going to be a right time that I send forth this word. Don't give up on what God has promised you. Summons it to come to you. Now, Let's look at the word spring forth. It'll spring forth. That is actually one Hebrew word, and it is the word samak. And samak is an agricultural word, which means to sprout, to bud, to ripen, to come to fullness. So it sprouts out of the ground, it buds for the fruit, it ripens for the fruit to come, and then it comes to fullness for it to be harvested. That's what it means when you say spring forth. In other words, it's a process. We've got to relax. Don't get too excited like God forgot about you or somebody butted ahead of you in line in the spirit realm. God's got a perfect time for your prayer, your promise to come to pass. Your decree is going to happen. 
And that's an issue for some of us who want what we want when we want it, but we don't want to go through the process to get it in order to do what? To spring forth, to, to come out of sprout, to bud, uh, to ripen, and then to be harvested, to come in the fullness. But we have to understand, it is a process. Church, it's a process that brings beauty out of ashes. It's a process that brings the oil of joy for mourning. It's in the process that you put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. It may not all happen in one time, but it's got to and will happen. Everybody say, I'm in the process. Then there's Isaiah 42. And it says, before they spring up, I will tell you of them. And I'm done right here. Everybody say, tell. The word tell is the word shema. And it means to speak a message out loud, to announce, to proclaim, or to voice something. God tells Abraham, you're going to become the heir of the world. He has no kids. He's 99 years old. No kids. But you're going to become the heir of the world, and you're going to be a father of many nations. Again, He's an old man. His wife is in her 80s. She's an old woman. There's no way for them in the natural to have children. She's past the age of bearing children. And she knows this and says this. But God says, this is who you are. Even though he was not that, they believe it took 20 to 25 years before Isaac would be born of both Abraham and his wife Sarah. But he even changes his name from Abram to Abraham. So he had to go around telling everybody, I'm a, that name means father of a multitude. He had to go around telling everybody, I'm a father of a multitude. Where's your kids at? I ain't got none. You know how silly that sounds? But what's he doing? Every time he introduces himself, he is announcing, he is decreeing, he is declaring the promise of God. Everywhere he goes. I'm here to tell somebody, your impossible can become impossible. It may feel like what you've prayed, what you've decreed will never come to pass. But if God before you, who can be against you? If God makes a promise, he's not a man that he should lie. Or the son of man that he should repent. Whatever God says comes to pass. What God promised Abraham looked impossible to ever come to pass. But the moment God declared it, it existed. It may have been suspended in time. But it lived. Church, words of faith must be decreed. There must be royal edicts, royal declarations. This is the law. This is the new legislation. This is what God says, therefore it shall be. The idea is that we are to decree what we expect to see. You want to see that marriage get stronger? Decree it. You want to see your children serving God and saved? Decree it. You want your financial situation to change? Decree it. And if we want to see our city change, we need to come together this Tuesday, this Tuesday, and get together with bold words and decree this city to change, our state to change, our nation to change. Come on, church. Somebody say amen. Romans 4, 17, now the Amplified God who gives life to the dead and speaks of the non-existent things. 
that he has foretold and or promised as if they already existed. God calls those things that do not exist as though they are. God speaks in the time of Kairos. He doesn't speak in the time of Kronos. He doesn't respect our calendar, our time. He only respects his time. God moves by those events. This is how God operates. He calls those things. And the word call is the word kaleo in the Greek. It means to say out loud, and then I promise I really am done this time. To say out loud, to bid, to call near you, to summons. It literally translates when you call, you're saying, come here, come to me. That's what it says. Come here, come to me. When I call those things that be not as if they are, by faith I'm saying, come here. Come to me. When in need, decree your seed. Church, speak what you need and tell it to come here. Tell it to come to me. Health, come to me. Wealth, come to me. Dreams, come to me. Deliverance, salvation, come to me. I summons you to come to me in the name of Jesus. Then we wait patiently in the process, knowing that there's a set moment in time that it will manifest in our lives. Somebody say amen. Hebrews 10, 23, hold fast the promises of God. Hold fast. Cad. Echo. Cad meaning down in your spirit. Echo is an echo over and over and over. Abraham echoed the promise of God that was down in his spirit over and over and over and over. It took time, but God was using it for the right time for it to show up. He did this over and over until he became, the Bible says, fully persuaded that he would have, he would have the promise of God. And he, Bible says, and he staggered not at the promise of God. That word stagger means to withdraw, to hesitate, to contend, or differ. In other words, I'm going to stick to what God says, not what the world tells me, not what my circumstances are telling me, not what my mind screams to me over and over that I'm a failure. This is never going to happen. I must have missed God. I will not allow it to differ from God's plan. What's down in my spirit, the promise, I'm going to speak it over and over and over again until it comes to pass. I'm trying to train the church that when we pray, even on Tuesdays, we can't say we're going to see noticeable change the next day. We might. I pray like we do. But I'm mature enough to understand that those decrees may take a moment, and then when the time ripens, there'll be a suddenly... And it's like within 24 hours, everything has changed. Some of you, I feel that in the spirit. That for some of you, you're so close to a Kairos moment. Maybe that's why God had me preach this today. Because you're actually very, very close. Don't give up. Some things come faster and easier. But the things that came a little harder are worth fighting for because they're going to bring you more fruit than you ever imagined. Bring you more joy than you ever imagined. One thing I found out about the enemy, he'll fight you on the thing that matters the most. The thing that's going to bring the most change in your life and the most change in the kingdom of God, he will fight you on that. Keep fighting. Don't quit. Don't give up. Keep pursuing. Keep praying. Keep decreeing like a king. Amen.
and you will see the victory. Somebody say praise the Lord. Hallelujah.